It's that time of the week again, and you're listening to the Fantasy Fund Manager podcast. I'm Stuart Lohman from Biz News, and we're into week 21 of a 27-week, six-month competition. The guests today need no introduction, but Gareth Montana and David Bacher from Current Capital. Thanks for joining, guys. So week 21 of 27, some would say almost the business end of the game. Are you playing business or are you sort of floundering, as they say, as we come to the end of the competition? For my side, Stu, I've pretty much been in the, the same kind of position as measured by the closest 100 for, for a few weeks. I've tried to do some different things in my portfolio, but uh, I'm pretty steady Eddie at the moment. Not by design, though. <laughs> And Gareth and Yosa, they say you're only as good as your last week, and I'm beating David in the last week. <laughs> Things are good. Where are you sitting this week? Um, I'm down a little bit on the portfolio, down 40 basis points, but given what's going on in the market, I suppose not terrible. But it's at least it's it's about one week in 20 that I've beaten Pete and David, so I'm happy. No, we hold on to those little victories. Gareth, you mentioned SO shares there. Dave, we are seeing the market under pressure. Um, any reason... Why are we seeing so much pressure? Yes, in the next 36 hours, we've had or going to be having 11 central banks uh, communicating their monetary policy. And last night was the Fed. The Fed is every, is the central bank that everyone watches. They generally set interest rate policy and have a big influence around the world. They came out last night saying interest rates are likely to be higher for longer or inferred it. And that sent a risk off trade across the globe and South Africa was no exception and you look at your screens uh, and it's very hard to see a lot of green. You mentioned interest rates and monetary policy. I know we are saying terms like hawkish and dovish monetary policies. Should we just start there? Can you explain what the two are and the difference? Sure. You know, as one would expect, it comes from birding terminology and a hawk is quite an aggressive bird. Um, So by nature, uh, when you're talking about uh, hawkish monetary policy, you're talking about aggressive interest rate policy, policy where they are concerned about inflation rising, uh, likely to have rising interest rates, and that generally is negative for the market. And contrary to that, uh, Davis is, is seen as a gentler bird, bird of peace, uh, and, is, it, and that terminology refers interest rates are likely to come down, uh, and that's generally good for the economy and share markets. David, Gareth, I don't think I'm coming here. Is, is the concern maybe that we're not quite sure where we're going with interest rates? Because we saw in the US sort of notes expect, expectations of 25% basis points is probably the next and last upward movement. Is maybe the concerns that there's there might be more. They're not quite sure and that's why the markets of it. Because ultimately, if you hit the top, you would sort of maybe move towards a dovish environment which might be better for, is it better for stock markets? Yes, I think the the Fed didn't do much to aid credibility over the last few years with regards to their outlook on inflation. Um, I think there's a a general perception that there was a a bit of an undershoot in expectations of, of what inflation was going to do. So, you know, a lot of people have started seeing the end of of inflation and potentially the leveling off and decreasing of interest rates. The implication that rates are going to be higher for longer is very meaningful to equity market valuations. Um, so, you know, first of all, from a stimulatory perspective, if you start cutting interest rates, it should be good for economies, good should, good, should be good for the consumer. 
But importantly, it also plays a way in how shares are valued. And especially for growth shares who are are factoring in, you know, long-term growth, if you have got high interest rates for longer, those valuations that you're discounting at um, start reducing what the perceived value of a, of a share is at any point in time. So it, it's very important. And the, that uncertainty definitely does play on markets. There is no doubt that markets are, are looking for inflation to have been brought under control and hopefully seeing the end of the rate, rate hiking cycle. And I think from a from a Korean perspective, we are we strongly believe we are near the top of the cycle. Whether we're going to see massive cuts, that's a different question. But yeah. we do believe that we are nearing the top of this of the rate cycle, both locally and globally. And if we bring it to the local market, one thing we are certain of is Nasbis CEO Bob, Bob Van Dyke is no longer in that box seat. I see that share is the most held stock in the game. Uh, one in five users hold Nasbis, and I said. At time of recording, the stock was down 6%. I know my colleague, Alec Hogg, interviewed old veteran money, money manager, Pete Fillion, who was quite, he cheered the fact that Bob Van Dyke had left. He called him the destroyer of 40% of value. I'm not sure how you would see us. Obviously, the market hasn't cheered this uh, this reaction, but your thoughts on last pass? Well, first, it's always nice to hear Pete's views. He's uh, nice to um, get such a, uh, uh, where you're, Art on your sleeve, and, uh, and what, what Pitt says is always of, of interest. But I think that did take us by surprise. So, firstly, NAS um, passed down 6%. Is that surprising? I think the answer is yes and no. Yes, it's surprising because of the likes of uh, well known investors such as Pete and other investors have been calling for Bob's head for a while. So, you would have thought there would have been uh, maybe a bit of a, a rally. But if you look at what actually drives NASPAS, it is $0.10. Cents. That's the big asset in the group. That share is down similar amounts uh, for the week overseas, maybe slightly less. So I'm not quite sure why NASPAS is slightly more down than 10 cent. But the biggest driver is $0.10 cent and there's risk-off trade. So once you have risk-off trade, technology shares, IT come under pressure, emerging markets come under pressure, and maybe South Africa being, you know, a little bit high up the risk scale. NASPAS took a little bit more than the fall of the overseas asset. But long story short, this is largely driven by you know a risk of a trade uh, globally and not Bob Van Dyke's uh, resignation. Now, on the flip side of that, in the game of the sixty stocks, the three best performing stocks were retailers. As time of recording podcast, it was Pepco, the Fishini Group, and Mr. Price. I'm not sure if there's anything in the retailers sort of on this little wind of fires, they say. Gareth, anything from your side? If Surely a lower interest rate environment would be better for a retailer, but I'm not sure if the high interest rates play into it or if it's just a, a value sort of uh, play. It's it's such a difficult one. I mean, if you actually look at current conditions this week, should retailers be going up? Probably no. not. But given the, the sell-off already, you know, priced into these retailers and I think you know we, we discussed it last week is that markets look through a cycle and potentially you're starting to see you know some investors saying well th- these these retailers have had their big depreciation in value it's time to start picking time to start buying um, is it anything microeconomically this week driving it can't really see it you know we 
the the retailers still face the same headwinds that they did last week in terms of spending money on diesel to keep lights on um challenges for consumers with disposable income not much of that has changed but markets start looking forward markets are not looking next week in two weeks markets are starting to look one year out two year out and there's potentially people starting to see value in these counters and if you look at the margins of some of these retailers they back to levels of 2018 so becoming off at the moment very, very low margins in the industry and it's such a gearing element to these retailers uh, if you take a three years view and you think okay margins could could increase then you're going to have not only a, a earnings bump but you're going to have a multiple PE expansion and is that kind of gearing that I think a lot of investors are, are trying to say okay the environment hasn't changed as Gareth has said but maybe if you take a little bit of a longer term view we can't time the bottom here but that kind of gearing over a long term can can change quite quickly and meaningfully so, so for the positive. Uh, David, one of the things this is where to from here for our beloved SA Inc. I know we've got a, a Springbok director of rugby who does a 7-1 split. Do we need something special to sort of drive SA shares forward? I think over the short term, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, at Corian, as you know, we're valuation based. We look at the earnings and the price you're paying for those earnings relative to our history, relative to uh, what you can get for emerging markets, relative to developed markets. And uh, we think that although there's a lot of dire news out there and the economy is tough, we think you're buying these shares in South Africa still at compelling valuations. Um, when it turns, it turns quickly. So uh, it's been hard. It's been tough. Um, but maybe the, the bench... Uh, and the super bench, the seven one split, um, might not be the right analogy, but you can get a change to to the environment quite quickly, uh, and that that can change your fortunes quite quickly. Okay, so you seen that valuation across SA Inc. or is it specific sectors at Corian? I think it's worthwhile touching on what Carmen mentioned, you know, last week, and uh, a bit more detail on that is that we've got to be cautious not to bucket the South African market into SA Inc. SA Inc. makes up a portion of our market being companies, very specific drivers to South Africa, like our banks, like our retailers. But the broader South African market, uh, you know, in a, in a, we've been mentioning it in some report backs to clients in, in the last week, 65% of earnings of the top 40 are foreign earnings. So we, we've got to be careful not to make the proxy for SA Inc., and the South African economy, the South African stock market. The South African stock market actually gives you quite a lot of diversification. We've got the resource uh, potential kicker that we've discussed. You've got companies like Richmond, which are, you know, is a is a the market leading global luxury goods player. You've got the likes of Bitcorp, uh, you know, Bitvest with foreign acquisitions. So, yes, SA Inc is an element. We do need some specific drivers to get that going. SA Inc., we do believe is undervalued, but the South African market offers you more than that. Um, so don't get too bogged down because having having exposure to the South African market, and it's why the South African market is actually through through over many decade cycles a, a, a very you know one of the better performing stock markets in the world. I think is because of the caliber of the companies and the global nature of a lot of the earnings that we've got. And if we bring it back to Fancy Fund, we do like to get a game at tip of the week. Uh, David, I don't know if you've got any tips or tricks for the next week. 
Well, I think last time I was on the show, I said try, and if you were looking for a competitive advantage, try and wake up early on a Monday morning, see what's happening in offshore markets, see if the oil price has moved, see what's happening in cent, uh, and that can give you a bit of a lead uh, in terms of how things are going to open. Now, that works for probably the first few hours, doesn't work for the whole week, but at least you've got to start. Um, and I think that's, that to me is still my, my, my best pick. I did that the last couple of weeks with, my, with why I went into Sassel, um, which has worked but worked, not worked as well as I'd hoped. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest words of wisdom I, wisdom I can share. I know Renee Zitzman is fighting for that overall position with Grant Morris at the moment. And she, when she was on the podcast, she and her friend, well, she said her and her friend would sit down on a Monday for half an hour and go through all the reports and stuff. So maybe there's something to that. Uh, Gareth, on your side, a game a tip? I think the RAND is such an important bellwether for what is going on with sentiment around South Africa and the market. Obviously, we feel it all the time. It affects our oil price and you, you know importing it and ultimately what your petrol price is going to into your car every month but in quite a risk-off environment at the moment the rand is actually trading quite nicely we've mentioned retailers have actually performed quite well so maybe if you're taking a combination and looking and telling you you know market may be hinting to us that there's a lot in the South African price. Might sound like we're drumming on about this, but the RAND's holding up quite nicely today. Retailers have been behaving well, so maybe it's it's it, it is that SA Inc. play where we could look at some banks, some retailers, and you know some companies that have got specific drivers to South Africa. A big thanks to Gareth Montana and David Bucker from Corian Capital, and as always, a big thanks to the sponsors that make the podcast possible. That's Terrabinth Capital, ShareNet. Klukas Gray Asset Management and Money Better. And remember, remember to subscribe to the podcast below so you don't miss an episode and send us your comments on X at fantasy underscore fund. And from me, Stuart Lohman, until next week, cheerio. <music>